mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 71 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, powered by Audio-Technica. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and this week, we have Jarrett Green on the show, which we'll get to soon. But for now, the iTunes review of the week is the last one I have. So if you have any thoughts or feedback out there, you want to help the show, leave a rating, leave a review, and uh, it'll definitely get read on the show. This one comes from Juju59, says, Fantastic job, Jono. You're doing a great thing with this podcast. Subscribed and looking forward to more stories. Thank you very much. So a while ago, I put a call out on Twitter for suggestions of future guests. And a good friend of the show, Logan Wilkinson, suggested his input co-host, Jarrett Green who is also a freelance writer who's had his work on video games published in PlayStation Lifestyle, IGN, Playboy, a whole lot of other publications, but mostly the place he calls home on the internet, it's irrationalpassions.com. And you might recognize that name from previous guest, Alex O'Neill, who's heading up that site. And it's very timely to be putting this episode out because at the time that I interviewed Jarrett, he actually gave me some really great advice about freelancing uh, for IGN for an article I've been working on. It's now up on IGN.com if you want to check it out. The headline's something like how video games changed my views on parenthood. And it's been really cool to see people reacting to that all over the internet. There's a lot of positive feedback, which is great to see, especially when you put so much time into a piece like this. So Jarrett's also an accountant, so you know that his perspective is going to be a little different to most people who write about video games. He's a real intellectual thinker, and I think he comes at games and freelancing in a really interesting way. It was great to talk about what he's learned from doing this for so long, many, many years, and the importance of knowing the website's identity that you're pitching to, the different perspectives that are after, the different kinds of angles that articles will be tailored to depending on the website. So here's Jared Green. Enjoy the show. Thank you for joining me, Jared. It's great to have you on the show. No problem. Good, uh, good to be here. This is at the request of uh, friend Logan Wilkinson, who said I had to get you on here and you know, I respect what Logan says, so I thought, sure, why not? Good old Logan Wilkinson. That's a guy. Yeah, co-host of Input. So how's uh, how's Input coming along? It's good. I feel like we have finally a group of mm. people who we definitely know are listening, or we just need to get them to sort of, I guess, interact more, I think, a little bit. Send us emails, get, get involved, but I, yeah. they're there, so I'm It's always a challenge of podcasting is the, the making it a two-way medium, I guess. Right. Yeah. That's the worry is, like, is anyone listening to this is it what's the point is it just three people talking to each other and i feel like <laughs> we've reached a point now where we at least know there's people out there who'd be willing to listen to it. we just got to get to them yeah that's it and i guess like you have to be content with the conversation itself being you know rewarding enough that if you did discover that no one was listening you still enjoyed what you did for the last hour and a half or whatever it was yeah it can't always be you know what are the returns necessarily um mm. and it's not like we put a whole lot of financial investment into it we're kind of i mean it's really just our time and we're talking about things we'd be talking about together anyway i think so we might as well dress it up and record it uh, was the i guess the assumption we came to when we started uh input anyway sure so input a product of irrationalpassion.com we'll get to that in a minute but i'm interested how you ended up with those guys uh you mentioned before we were talking that you're an accountant, so yeah. I take I take it that um, I guess writing and journalism wasn't a avenue that you pursued professionally before getting into video game writing. Not professionally. Um, I know when I was younger, it was a thought like, well, what would I do for the rest of my life when high school? You always kind of wonder what you can see yourself doing in twenty years. Like, hmm. what 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 is 
high school version of me think 40-year-old version of me is doing. I left high school with the idea that if I was going to do something like journalism or writing or really something that going to school and studying professionally isn't necessarily like a, the greatest guarantee to be doing it, I could probably find a way to do it without going to school. So I, I figured if I'm going to go to school, I need to learn something, some sort of skills that I, that'd be difficult to learn without it. Um, something, I guess, more pragmatic. So I hmm. went to school for accounting with the idea that I don't necessarily need to go to school for journalism to learn how to write and to learn the tenets of journalism necessarily. Um, also, I, I was confident I wouldn't be doing like political blogs or something like that, even though that's an interest of mine. I felt more confident writing about the things I knew way more about or felt like an authority in, and that was, you know, t- turned out now it's just a bunch of nerd stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I felt like, you know, I could do that in my free time because I that's the those are conversations I want to have anyway. So I started writing personally. I, I'd never had like a personal blog. I was always like trying to find places who were looking for people to write mm-hmm. um, for them. Most of it was, I mean, for the years it was basically like we can't pay you, but we'd have a site and maybe we can get a code or something every once in a while. But if you have things to say, say it. So that's kind of where I started. So I didn't didn't require much professional input or professional, I guess, studying in my end because they weren't paying me. But mm. doing is its own sort of education, I think. Definitely, yeah. Like as someone that I, I did study journalism and had offers to work before I'd finished studying, like there really isn't a need to have that qualification. But there isn't. Like, it's, yeah, it's worthwhile to have, but it's not essential by any means and i certainly know a lot of good writers a lot of good journalists that didn't study so it's you know it's quite different from like you said accounting and and that kind of thing where you can't just walk into an accountant and start doing it if uh, if you haven't had that preparation i think though i do sort of if if i could do it again i may actually go to school for journalism because i feel like the skills you can learn i think without necessarily the the book education but i think even half decent schools that have that program put you on the tracks for getting for working early yeah. and often and that's the most that's like the most important thing i've noticed here it's like how much work you're doing um and the opportunity to get that work and i feel like sure. in a journalism school you're you're being put in a good position to work even it, whether you're you know learning the best ways to write and, and find news and, and follow up on contacts or whatever, um, identify ethics or whatever. Like, even if you're learning those things, the most important thing that's happening in a journalism school is like them setting up con- or giving you opportunities to contact people and yeah, uh, giving you many, many opportunities to go report on things and get your, get your a name out there and, and some work before you leave the, the university or whatever. I think like the, internships and those kinds of placements are really like the most essential part of them for me that was definitely what set me up to walk into jobs after graduating and a lot of other people i guess didn't because they hadn't had that same focus yeah so you studied uh, accounting you started working as accountant and all the while you've been writing Uh, how did you i guess 
get into pitching stories to professional websites like you know i've seen by looking at your twitter by you've had some stuff published by ign by playboy by some other fairly big websites so how did that kind of come about for me literally just cold calling via email uh because i don't go to many of the conventions because they're basically all on the west coast and that's an expensive flight to do a couple times a year um, so I don't have a whole lot of FaceTime with the industry people that would be easier to, I guess, start a rapport with if you met and shook hands with, um, really the only time I see them is when they come over here for PAX East because Boston's not that far away from me. But yeah, literally it's like I had an idea, especially the first, I got lucky my first big pitch was at IGN, but I literally had an idea, sent the pitch to Justin Davis there at the time who was doing that, um. He was handling the freelancers for features and it worked. And I was like, well, good. I guess this is, it, this is, hopefully it's always this easy. Um, it isn't, but I had been doing at that point, I'd been writing forever already. So I kind of had work and I kind of had the reps and developed a voice and developed a sort of style that gave me enough of a, I guess a presence where I didn't necessarily need to know Justin to, assure him that I could write 800 words about this thing I'm talking about. Um, I had clips. But yeah, literally just emailed him. Here's this idea. And it worked because I identified that it was about Mortal Kombat at the time. And it was doing lots of traffic on IGN. I could tell just by the amount of stuff they were writing about it. At the time, a lot of the stories were positioned on the website based on traffic. You could see like the sort of heat map on the side and like Mortal Kombat is always in your tops. And I'm like, well, I had this idea that no one's writing about, but it looks like IGN has a lot of traffic about it. This might work. Hmm. Thinking about how the biggest video game company in the world or video game media company in the world would think they want to capitalize on the traffic that's already there. So this is the kind of story they'd be interested in. So let me try it. And it worked. For Playboy, it's completely different. I just had Playboy was just starting to do games coverage on their website. Um, and they were looking for big reported sort of features, but also sort of small, I guess, maybe more evergreeny indie or just like singular video game sort of op-eds. And I was already doing some of that too. So I wasn't doing the big sort of reporty stuff that guys like um, Aaron Garster or um, um, Dave Jack and I were doing. But I did have, not maybe the previews, like, but like more like creative, clever, like hands-on-y sort of features that I was doing so that happened to be what the, another dimension of what Playboy was looking to do at the time because they were young and they were kind of just trying to do everything um, so it worked then too so really a lot of me getting into these bigger places me just capitalizing on sort of like a, a space I saw more than me sort of being a guy uh, that people at that level in the industry kind of know you ask any freelancer and they're probably going to tell you a version of the same thing you have to spend a lot of time reading websites and thinking about how these websites and these editors think and then trying to like give them something that they're not thinking about. Hmm. Did you find that those publications, like getting stuff published, opened up opportunities to work with others? Like, is that something that you can point to and say, hey, I've worked with these guys or you could publish more stuff with those or you could pitch stuff more to those companies because they know you and they've published you before or is it not exactly that way? It helps depending on who you're pitching, but I think what would really what really helps more than that is 
that you are working recently. So I'm I probably like a year and a half removed when right before Playboy basically stopped doing games coverage. I want to say that was about a year and a half ago was is the last time I was at a site that big. So it helps that the byline's there completely, but they but if I'm going to pitch something today, I find that editors are more interested in what I did this month or sometimes as recently as possible. It it helps when you're pitching something that's out of the normal what you do and you want to prove that you've done it already, like if you want to do reviews, you want to pitch your review concept, but you want to give them clips for reviews. And if you have like a review at a big site, then that means you can work under big site rules, which is not the same as small site rules. Usually there's other factors. I find it helps me get looks from smaller sites and oddly enough, foreign sites. I'm not, I say foreign, I'm not us based basically. Um, then it does like, it, it hasn't helped me so far getting into other bigger places. But the fact that it exists and it's there, you can Google it. It helps, you know. It, it allows me to put it on my business card, which is yeah. it, which is a conversation starter, at least. Yeah, right. And if we can backtrack a little bit, what was it that got you from working as an accountant and you know occasionally, I don't know if it started as an occasional thing or if you went straight into it, but just writing to the point that you built up this skill. Uh, to a professional level that you could pitch to those kinds of sites. Well, I kind of asked myself, was I interested, was I content really just kind of writing for no one, for myself? Where were your pieces appearing at that time? At that time, I don't even remember the places. Uh, <laughs> like, I think there was one site called Go Critic that was, it was started by someone who is now in dev, or at least was in dev. I don't know if they still are anymore. Um, but she had written a couple of books and wanted to start a a site for really like pen and paper RPG sort of, I guess, conversations and features, but that sort of opened into video games. Um, and it did some traffic. It wasn't necessarily a big deal, and it's definitely not around anymore. But that was one of the first. Um, I wrote a bunch for back when IGN had the uh, that social sort of platform. Yeah, the like... Um, community blogs or whatever yeah i had written a community blog that got put on the front page and that's when i realized like i could probably just write an article and get on the front page and maybe they'll actually pay me for it (laughs) um i feel like that was that was definitely one of the moments when i was like hmm this was good enough for free and i there are factors i can see I identify in this piece that I could see an editor saying this would work on our site because of X, Y, and Z. And I think I could do that again. And that was like, let me, let me challenge myself to do it again. And then I did and it worked. And I'm like, well, it's different now. Like I I can get paid for this. So maybe I should try a little harder too. So everything, everything at that time, I want to say that was probably four or five years ago was pointing at me and saying, maybe you should like pursue this. Even if you can't, you know, fly out to San Francisco and, be in the rooms and be the guy clearly there's work here to be done and hmm. you, you're i think you're showing yourself to be qualified to do it that's cool and uh how did you cross paths with uh irrational passions because i imagine that that's been more or less kind of your home base in between being yeah freelance articles over past couple of years years ago back when beyond was still like a small show on ign hosted 
by Greg and Colin, and I guess maybe Andrew at the time. Probably not Andrew at the time. Probably um, hmm. Ryan Clements. Maybe maybe Clements. I'm trying to remember what or the Roper. time period this yeah. was. It wasn't Roper, so it was probably Clements. Yeah. Um, uh, Alex had met Greg, I guess maybe sometime that year or the year prior, and they had talked about his website, and for some reason they were they got to talking about the but like community people in the community who are trying to work and be in a business. Cause I think they, they were answering one of those, like, how do I get into business questions? Sure. And I guess just spur of the moment, Greg mentioned Alex and mentioned his website and that he was looking for people to like start turning his website at the time, which was basically just a home base for their podcast um, into something more editorial. And I, Immediately sort of responded to the email and Alex responded back and we started talking. It wasn't very long afterwards that I started writing stuff for them. And the rest is history, really. I used a lot of those older, those early pieces as things to to, to pitch to places like um, IGN and Playboy. So they, that yeah, right. the early stuff gave me like a really good um, base to show that I'm writing often and when I want, when I can, and I, that there are, that I can write long, I can write short, I can write features, I can write interviews. Like I, that gave me an opportunity since Alex was just kind of here to have people write necessarily with any direction, just do, do you. It gave me an opportunity to start doing stuff I didn't have opportunities to do before and like learning how other sorts of writing works. Uh, it really helped me sort of flex my muscles, but that was, God, I, five years ago maybe. Maybe oh, wow. longer than that. So like, I've been around since I've outlasted two different editorial teams. So I'm like the last remnant of that, I think. Apart from the fearless leader, yeah. Mr. Alex O'Neill. Yeah, this, that old team was interesting. So yeah, Alex has been very, very vital to helping me sort of develop a voice and develop uh, a style, um, learn the ropes. Yeah. And we just became pretty good friends over the over the years. I like working with him. He's allowed me to try to try new things using you know whatever rub I can get from Rash Person to do so. Um, it's really introduced me to a lot of people that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise. Um, so yeah, we're very good friends. Very grateful for Alex anyway. That's cool. Yeah, solid dude. I'm curious though, like when you have an article you want to pitch to say IGN or Playboy or whatever it is, is it a decision you have to make? Does this belong on Irrational Passions? Is this something I can pitch to a, a more professional website that will pay me for it? Or is it repurposing content that you have already published? Like how does that part of it work? Um, for me, it's definitely, um, I ha I'll take a concept and I'll think, all right, could this be pitched? Um, actually, well, uh, the last thing I wrote for Rational Passions, I went through this. Um, I wrote a feature about Kratos and how Kratos... The God of War mythology piece? Yeah, yeah. How the mythology he's written in informs his character, and you can see the similarities um, in these different Kratoses in Norse and in Greek myth. I thought, this is like a concept. This is this is something I, I can see the end of. I, I have a full thought. Um, I have an outline. Could I pitch this somewhere? And that I, I'm looking around at websites. Who would ideally who would take this? Who would who would be interested in this? And wrote like a little list. I thought maybe Polygon would be sort of interested in this. Maybe I, IGN maybe wouldn't be because I don't think it's big enough. It's I don't I don't know that 
you would really want they were doing lots of God of War content already, and you'd want probably some primary contacts to to more fulfill fill in some gaps there. Hmm. Um, I don't know that it's large enough or heady enough for the Verge. Like um, you kind of have to take your pieces and identify what um, what makes some of these video game websites particularly special. And then see if there's a version of this piece that works for that website. You gotta like identify what these websites' core concepts are. Um, and I realize like maybe this could work in some places, but the places that I think it could work, I don't have really any rapport with any of the editors. Like I'd have to work really hard to get them to even look at it. And then by that time, we're talking about a game that's been out for probably a couple weeks that doesn't have the same relevance. Sure. Um, so I kind of just wrote it. Then I realized, like, I kind of would rather put it where I put it. Like, I think a rash patch is a good place for it um, because I don't have to necessarily worry about adapting my thesis around, like, a, a, a any other website. I can kind of just speak about what I'm saying the way I want to say it. Hmm. And I think it's, that's, it's good to do that sometimes. Yeah, I guess, like, having a level of independence there. Uh, they're kind of like an indie recording studio or what, or an indie game developer. Like they're not going to tell you it has to have this particular spin. Alex is just going to say, write the story that you want to write and we'll make sure that it's good. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think it's good for the website. We do a lot of stuff at Irrational Passions, um, especially now since we have a way bigger team than we've yeah. had in a while. So we're ready to do all types of stuff. And I feel like our website should have as many different looks as possible as far as content is concerned because we're not competing necessarily with other people. We're just out here doing stuff. So we, hmm. I don't know that we should just be a preview website or a review website. Like We should be able to rewrite write these sort of features too. So when Logan writes features about Bloodborne, but he does it in sort of like a first-person narrative sort of take, I think that is, that's valuable to Rational Passions, more valuable to Rational Passions than it would be anywhere else. Like Even if he could get that on Kotaku, like how does that... Help. That, that would seem strange at Kotaku. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're in Irrational Passions. It's just one of the many things we're willing to do out here. Sure. So how do you build on, I guess, what you've managed to do both at Irrational Passions but also in freelancing? Like, is there a path that you can see yourself on and that's leading somewhere, maybe even trying to pursue full-time work or full-time, full-time freelancing if that's an option? It's difficult because i mean full-time freelancing is a thing that i've thought about a lot because there are some really some really good freelancers who who have made who found a way to make a living doing this is it the you know most amazing living maybe not but it's the the idea is you don't necessarily have to move to the valley to work in gains media you can do it so long as you you know you've been working to get the contacts and you've stayed busy you can do it I still haven't unlocked that sort of door yet. I don't really, I still don't understand how it has worked for some people. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a mystery to me, but it's one I've been looking harder into, especially this year. I don't know if I can see like a direct sort of line into some sort of end goal sort of job situation because the. Since I started writing, and even when I started getting paid, since I started getting paid to write, the industry has changed a lot. There, you know, the quote-unquote pivot to video is a big real thing. Mm. Um, and, and lots of outlets that had the space to do this kind of work um, don't anymore. A lot of outlets that would have been perfect, I think, for me, 
um, are gone. So it's like, I don't really know. Um, I am definitely uh, a couple steps behind some of the better freelancers here. Um, so I, I got to do a lot of work to catch up. But I think about it, you know, me versus some maybe younger, uh, more in touch freelancers. And I think, man, like, how how do I even start? Like, where do I even, how do I even begin to catch up? But then I think about it and I'm like, well, Mike Martin started freelancing at 35 and four years later he works for Capcom. So like, it, it there is no, you know, and um, Seth Macy just got hired full time at IGN. So the, the time in your life, you being too late to start or too late to make it work or turn it around and, and find a focus is becoming more and more um, or being proven wrong more and more, I think. Mm. Um, so I don't necessarily feel like I did two years ago where I'm like, I don't really know how this works. Like, I, it, could I even make turn this around? I don't know. Um, to the point now where I'm like, eh, well, maybe I should just be thinking, broadening what the end goal could be. It isn't mm-hmm. working at IGN or GameSpot, probably, but it could be doing something else um, that I didn't, I, that it maybe haven't, I'm not seeing yet, or maybe haven't had an opportunity to, to sort of come across, you know, my sort of scope here. It, it, it's out there, probably. It's probably yeah. just not sitting down and being review guy. Yeah, well, I think like you mentioned, maybe IGN and, and GameSpot not being the place, but there seems to be similar to, I guess, what Playboy were trialing and have done away with but websites expanding to include video game coverage whether it's rolling stone with clicksall and uh hbo have got the ringer website that does some cool games coverage every now and then uh and and just i guess sites diversifying and realizing that games are a topic people want to read about so if they're doing entertainment coverage they'll you know eventually realize that hey we can get someone in here that knows what they're talking about knows how to write and can bring in some traffic. So I guess there's always going to be increasing opportunities in that regard, even if they are drying up in other areas. Yeah. And it, you have to be as a freelancer sort of um, flexible to what these sort of demands would be. Um, mm. I know one big trend in video games writing that's really blowing up now is esports coverage. Yeah. absolutely. Um, it requires someone who may have hoped to just be a guy who wants to wax poetically about JRPGs to turn into a person who has to watch some esports. You know, maybe you have to watch Overwatch then because there are people out there paying you for recaps or for analysis or for interviews with these players, but they want people who are, aren't just watching it cursorily. They want you to be engaged in the community and all that kind of stuff because different between us and like, Sports, traditional sports is, you know, you can't watch a soccer game. I mean, you could then go outside and play soccer. Um, but anyone watching Overwatch can play Overwatch and then identify with what they just saw because they can then use techniques they saw a pro use hmm. uh, and try to mimic and emulate. Like there's a there's a an attachment or a relationship between esports professionals and the casual esports player that doesn't exist with other sports that creates a bridge so now you not only do you have like this old esports professional wing of coverage you can cover you can also now get back in these communities who are playing this game and cover that too so there's opportunities there for sure um it's just figuring out how to get to those opportunities because it turns out a lot of the people who um who are making the transition into esports 
um, coverage or people who have really have been doing everything everywhere. So I, I run into the same problem. Like, how do I out network the most, the, <laughs> the, the best, most well networked people? And it's difficult. Um, but I don't necessarily feel that it's so difficult that it's discouraged me completely. Um, it's just like, I got to identify, like, this is what I have to do. I got to figure out how I'm going to do it. Sure. Yeah. It's funny to think that uh, a website like ESPN could be hiring video game writers at some stage. Yeah. But it's probably not that crazy to imagine, it's, really. I mean, not anymore, but I can't imagine. Like, the first time there was esports coverage on ESPN, it was a big deal. Yeah, people went um, nuts. Because <laughs> people were like, why? Like, what is this? Um, mostly, like, some of the older journalists at ESPN were like, well, what are we doing? Like, why would we do this? Yeah. Um, I remember Colin Coward was kicking up yeah he made it <laughs> he made it's uh basically the end of his espn career that way and before he moved to fox but yeah he made that was like a shtick for like a year um yeah but i mean if things are following where the money goes then esports makes sense even in games coverage and the crossover there yeah and i think esports has big potential even if it's not like the biggest of spectator sports because you know i think that will dry up eventually um or that'll balance out i should say but there's a lot of room there untapped for like sponsorship and how do you turn these kids and adults into like characters and there's lots of um, the things we do with other sports that hasn't been done. Yeah. Interesting stuff. What uh, would you say has been the hardest part of getting to where you are? I guess building up a portfolio of uh, work and feeling, I guess, confident enough to know who to pitch to and, and when the right time is to do that. That's that's kind of it. The hardest part is getting the next big sort of job, even if it's not a big job, getting the next job that isn't me just writing for myself. I always want to be progressing professionally, and I find that it's easy to look at your sort of clients and say, all right, this is I'm doing enough. It's not I know that this is not something that I rely on to pay my overhead, to pay my bills. Um, so I'm really just doing this to do it, but I don't want to just, I don't want to do it for free necessarily. You could just find yourself in this sort of state of, um, you can be content with the fact that you're getting paid a little bit for it and that's fine, but I don't, it's constantly reminding myself that I'm doing all this work and I could be using this work could be, this could be using, like I could be using this to get somewhere else. It's, it's always like remembering that, yes, this is a difficult business to get into for lots of reasons that are out of my control. But you got to remember the reasons that are in, are in your control. You know, how many pitches have I sent? How, like, how hard am I trying here? Is, is the last thing I wrote for a site the best thing I could have written for that site? Trying to keep motivated because really no one out here is looking for you specifically. Like, no one's, no one's looking for Jared Green. I got to find the people who are looking for anyone and convince them that Jared Green's the guy. And there have been plenty of opportunities where I've pursued it and it just wasn't it just didn't work for them. And there's plenty of routines where I didn't pursue it at all or didn't pursue it hard enough. And it could have worked for me. So it's remembering that like after putting in 40, 50 hours in my full-time job that like I have to go home and it's yes, I'm tired. And yes, I have all these other things to do, but like this has to be something I have to, I have to want to do too. And I'm only going to get out of it what I put into it. And it's going to suck that I got to put so much into it to get so little out, but that's kind of how this works until <laughs> it, until it, you know, somehow opens up for me. Interesting. Yeah. I guess that's just all part of putting in the work is that it takes a long time to get sometimes not very far, but that's how it yeah. goes. Yeah. And for me, it's like, 
but it's always been lots of work, not getting really far, and then suddenly I'll get farther than I thought I could, and then yeah. you kind of stand still again and try to like you try to figure out what worked and how how can I do that again, and realize like it wasn't it was never that easy. Maybe I got lucky, blah 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 blah, and you got to try to like the hard work is like knowing that week after week after week you're getting these stories done, trying to get ideas for pitches or whatever, trying to stay motivated, do all that, and knowing that like sometimes it might just involve getting lucky again. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing where you, you turn around and you realize that all those little bits that you've progressed have taken you quite a long way over the time. Yeah, you have to you have to sit and be both realistic about the challenge in front of you, but you know, realistic about what you did and get what what really got you here. Like it is the little stuff. It is the the mm. work you've been doing that was middling for very little money or whatever that creates this sort of body of work that when people do look at you they say, All right, this guy is doing something you can't let the fact that you haven't struck gold get you down really sure gotta keep panning for yeah. gold so what would be your advice to people that want to freelance or maybe pitch something that they've got an idea for or they've written already you have to keep your real your expectations realistic first like never approach like you know i've i've met a lot of people who say you know i'm gonna work at ign one day and that is something that could happen, but you have to recognize what IGN is looking for. And that might not be your thousand words on Kingdom Hearts. They have plenty of people who have plenty of words for that already there. You have to know that depending, you have to know these sites that you've been reading, these people, these authors, these writers, these journalists that have inspired you and sort of motivated you to do what they do. You have to know who they're writing for, the what these sites are looking for, how these sites are different from each other, the kind of st- the kind of work they do. You have to you have to identify and be willing to con- continue to identify what makes these places different because that's going to help you identify what you can do for them, um, and recognize that yeah, writing is about expression and it's about analysis and about critique, but it's also about when it comes to getting paid for it anyway, what you can do for these people. Um, who are more who are looking for you but you have to market yourself whether you want to or not you have to be valuable to them Um, Mm. I think it's very difficult for any freelancer walking in saying I want to write about games to do just that Um, maybe a big a big problem I have is like getting into streaming and getting into like video stuff because that is what is prominent and dominant in video games nowadays and the thing I just said is knowing what these sites want and knowing how you can make yourself valuable to them. That's how you do it. And I just haven't done it. And that's part of the reason why I'm not probably, you know, flying out to L.A. or San Francisco. But you have to be realistic about what they want and be willing to do those things. You don't have to necessarily compromise yourself. I'm not saying write some write things, write listicles that are vapid and things that are just wrong. Or I'm not saying you know, try to sensationalize stuff just to, to hopefully capitalize on a particular outlets, like, I don't know, pension for that kind of thing. Like, write you. You be you. But recognize that you being you also has to be you being valuable to someone else. And that takes hmm. an analysis that isn't necessarily creative. It isn't necessarily soul-fulfilling. It, it's, it's a cold, hard analysis a lot of times. I think the accounting part of me got that down pretty early like you have to really just divide these things into usable parts and figure out what these parts are 
So before you write, you know, any article, before you write a pitch, before you write, before you write an outline, recognize like what kind of writer you want to be. And if there's an outlet for something like that. Yeah. And can you be multiple different types of writers? Cause there's multiple different outlets for something like that. It's cool. That's a lot to digest there, Jared. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> and buy a PC. Buy a PC. Because it's just <laughs> something I've noticed. There's lots of people looking for people to write about PC stuff because no one does. There you go. Hot tip. PC Hot gaming. Tip. So the last question, if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? I'd be a pro wrestler. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Heel? Oh, yeah. What's your gimmick? I don't know. I, I feel like I could be many gimmicks. I would want to be something like, I wouldn't be the cool guy heel though. I want to be the heel that people like buy t-shirts for still. Not like, of course, as I feel like a <laughs> half, another tip, half the industry, games industry, uh, writers, I mean, the media love pro wrestling. You might not know that yet, but once you start meeting these people and like having conversation with them, you realize all these people love pro wrestling. You had no idea. So if you did love pro wrestling and fell out, if you're going to get in the games media, it might be good to like watch uh raw or smackdown soon <laughs> i don't know i love the heels who were just like who dressed well and rode limos and were just very upset about the fact that no one respected their limo like i loved rick flair obviously everyone loves rick flair i personally am in the ginger mahal because he's like a brown rick flair just not all that good at the mic but he's like wears expensive things and he's always wondering why people are so ungrateful for like all these all these great things he's done when he's really done nothing like i like that about heels because they get to be delusional and funny and do like bad things but like get to look good doing it yeah kurt angle was always my favorite oh kurt angle is like the best heel yeah and he was always like he was almost always a heel when i watched him but he was still my favorite even though i was quite young and didn't really like i knew that i wasn't meant to like him but right I did anyway but the difference is like he got it he understood that oh, yeah. like he like he knew he was a giant dork. he's like a yeah, yeah a humongous dork yeah. but he's like really a legitimate guy like he really did win gold medals with a broken freaking neck but yeah. he would come out and like drink milk and like he would the, the three eyes <laughs> he was always trying to teach kids how to do the right thing but he was just a giant dweeb uh and it was great he's he knows how to he knew how to turn that sort of thing on its head be creepy and sinister when he had to be but just kind of be a goofy dude what he didn't it was great and be really intense as well yeah. when he needed to that was great cool all right well thanks for the chat jared it's been good it's been interesting and uh, i wish you all the best with your freelance future ah, you too i uh, hear another book probably happening yeah mm. it's uh been working on some of that today sort of struggling through some writing today but uh the, the video games are getting in the way yeah that happens it's, it's you really want to be productive uh, and you're like but god of war though i just gotta put in work in between like i finished a platinum god of war yesterday so it's like you know i've got a couple of weeks before detroit so yeah I gotta put my head <laughs> down and write. actually do something yeah people that, that will date this by a bit because it's probably not going to publish for a few weeks but hey a little bit of inside info yeah, behind the curtain there Exactly. All right, well, say hi to all the IP guys for me too. I will. I'll uh, tell Logan it happened finally. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Audio Technica. That was Jarrett Green. You can catch him on Twitter at Jarrett John, J-A-W-N. You can read most of his content over at irrationalpassions.com. 
If you want to support this show, you can do that with an iTunes review or by picking up some sweet merch over at 8bit.net slash P-I-W. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. If you want to catch me on Twitter, I'm at Jono himself. And don't forget to check out the rest of the awesome podcast content from the 8-Bit Collective. Until next week, keep putting in work.